Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Fan and the Critic podcast. Um, as always, uh, your host here with me is Carson, and uh, I'm uh, I'm starting things off today, me, Paulo, by the way, because um, uh, I'm uh, particularly excited about this this episode. Be as excited as Carson was to watch this movie that we will be reviewing uh, in the days and months leading up to it. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about Netflix, Netflix's most recent um, asylum movie, uh, Rebel Moon. Uh, Rebel Moon Part One, actually, A Child of Fire, which is the full name. I didn't even know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a really interesting movie that we'll get into in all the ways of uh, why it's interesting but basically uh, this is one that Carson was really excited for uh, which I thought was pretty funny um, looking at the trailers and uh, just seeing how things were going um, or like how it seemed it's not the type of thing that Carson is usually uh, super excited about um, which makes this all the more funny to me um, but uh, yeah, it uh, we both watched it a little while ago. Um, came out on December twenty second, and um, we have uh, quite a few things to say about it. So, Carson, I, I guess I'll I'll kick it over to you, and I'm curious to get your initial thoughts. Um, so, but we'll be going through the movie like in chronological order and talking about it. Yeah, I wanted to start with your point there of. I feel like I need to explain myself of why I was even looking forward to this. Uh, every year, we've started putting our, our top 10 most anticipated movies of the year. This was number two for me in 2023. Um, mm -hmm. I I don't know about you, but I, I try to put some weight behind my list. Like, I, I know there's <laughs> nobody out there paying attention, but, it, you know, it has my name. These are movies that I'm putting out there. I'm promoting to the community. And so I do want to make a good list. I want it to be an honest reflection of, of what I'm actually looking forward to. But I put the research in to say, like, you know, these are things that I think really I can put my name behind. And I did that <laughs> research, and I put Rebel Moon as number two. Um, it did not end up on you know, my top 10 of last year as per our last episode. So maybe a bit of explanation as to why. And it's mostly having to do with Zack Snyder, um, which I think I've talked about in the past. I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. It was only a few years ago when uh, Justice League Snyder Cut was my number one movie of the year. Um, but just going back in like the history of Zack Snyder, first three movies, Dawn of the Dead, 300, and Watchmen. Three for mm -hmm. three. He was an absolute star, especially of like the sci-fi fantasy realm at that point. He was a you know, everyone loved him as a director. Watchmen, maybe not as much, but I love that movie. I think it's starting to get a little bit more appreciation these days. But, it's a good movie, yeah. Uh, didn't get as much appreciation when it first came out. And then after that, he had Guardians of Gaul, which, it's a kid's movie, so it's like, I try not to hold that against him too much. It's not a fantastic movie, but like, in terms of a kid's movie, for an animated kid's movie, like, it looked gorgeous. Like, it had all these gorgeous effects. And I don't think people had quite keyed into Zack mm -hmm. Snyder's template at that point um mm -hmm. so i i kind of appreciated that at that point like i didn't you know discredit it too much because hey it's a kid's movie. you want to make a kid's movie sure go ahead um next movie up or i can't remember if this was before guardians of gaul but um sucker punch which oh yeah i liked sucker punch more than most people and i think more people like sucker punch than they want to admit they're just afraid of being called a pervert because of what the movie <laughs> is um it's a flawed movie uh it's not a perfect movie, but it's an interesting movie from a visual perspective. And I don't mean that about the characters. I mean it about the world. Um, 
uh, yeah, again, it has a lot of flaws, and I think that's where part, people started to kind of see the the flaws in, in Zack Snyder's films, that it's more about the visuals than the story and doesn't really make sense. Um, but I, I kind of liked it, but obviously it wasn't like the three for three that Zack Snyder started his career with. And then after that, that's when he got into Man of Steel, which is when he got a lot of hatred. Um, I did not love Man of Steel at first, but I liked parts of it. Um, he's kind of like Zack Snyder has kind of been on the leading edge of some, I don't know what you want to say, like visual aspects. Um, in, in Dawn of the Dead, he was one of the first, I don't know if it was the first, you probably know this better than I do, but it was one of the first mainstream movies where you had fast zombies. And that was him kind of like transforming the zombie genre a bit. I'm, I'm sure there was a couple movies where there were fast zombies before that, but that was like one of the first major ones. That one and 28 Days Later were like the two big ones where they first came up. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, those were within a year of each other, pretty close together. Something like that. Yeah. And then Man of Steel was kind of similar for me in terms of how they made superheroes actually look fast. Like what I felt like in some of the Marvel movies and, and other earlier like X-Men early 2000s stuff is that you know, a superhero swings, they punch, and then it's like somebody, you know, kind of goes flying, and it's that's supposed to demonstrate strength, but it didn't really feel real, whereas, like, Man of Steel, you have Superman actually, like, going back and forth really quick. Um, you know, people will say that, you know, the entire last scene is a headache, but, like, I liked the idea of how they displayed superheroes. Like, for me, visually, mm -hmm. like, they got that right. Um, Batman versus Superman was one of my biggest disappointments, but when I rewatched the R-rated cut and like the extended, it made more sense to me. And then Justice League, again, can't even credit the theatrical version to Zack Snyder, but you go back to the, Z the Snyder cut, and I loved everything they did there. And so this all kind of leads up to Rebel Moon, and especially with the Snyder cut. like <laughs> He basically had been living in the DC universe and having people edit his vision. And it, you know the Snyder cut was kind of saying, let a director have their vision, let them do their own thing and they can execute. You don't need to give them 10,000 notes from the boardroom to say like, this is what your movie has to have. And like, it was a big success that that even got, that the Snyder cut got released. And so that leads directly into Rebel Moon where it's like, let's have no ties whatsoever. Let's let this guy have the big budget. He's got the vision. Um, he's going to be able to do everything visually that he wants to do. He doesn't have a big studio like holding him back. And so Rebel Moon is this champion of let a director do what <laughs> oh, no. they want let them have the freedom and so that's why i was excited it's like you're going to create a new unique uh original sci-fi universe and tell your own story in it how can this possibly go wrong <laughs> well I'll, I'll give you credit you do put a lot of thought into it like for me something like if if rebel moon were on my list of like movies i'm looking forward to for the year it would have been like this looks really cool it's a sci-fi movie and i like the cast and that's most like the the uh, the big uh, the most i don't know the the oh my god i'm stuck on my words like the the main part of the reason why so um i give you credit for that and i but i think one thing like on the note of zack snyder as a director i think one big um one big issue uh going back to like those first three for three is he's not he's probably not a great writer so when he's making his own stories and you see it in rebel moon a little bit um like he's it, it's just that's where he starts falling flat like uh dawn of the dead for example is it's based on a, a dawn of the dead movie like an existing one same with um, Watchmen, there's like existing source material. I mean, 
300, I think, is the outlier. Um, uh, and that was like the start of the whole, like his whole action style, um, where everyone started going crazy over it. And then, I mean, I'll set aside DC because that's like it is existing source material, but it was a very like a lot really original story, I guess, kind of an original story um, that he wrote. And that's again where he starts like tripping over himself. Like this, the effects and the visuals are good, and that's what he excels at, which is why partly why Rebel Moon is so shocking for me. <laughs> and um, but like the story is not is not great. Yeah, his and stories. For, for reference, the movies that he wrote, he wrote Three Hundred, Sucker Punch, um, Army of the Dead, and then Rebel Moon. So when you think about yeah. some of his best movies, like as you said, like Watchmen, he basically did that shot for shot what was exactly in the book which is his best movie because he had nothing to do with the writing it was like just <laughs> literally transform this into a movie um yeah. and then again yeah, dawn of the dead kind of based off another movie uh, but yeah as a writer not maybe don't give him as much freedom there like let him direct <laughs> someone else's vision um yeah. and, but also like he didn't have the best writers for justice league and um yeah Batman versus Superman, like you had other writers for that one as well. So I'm sure there was a bit of back and forth on that. Yeah. But then also going against my point a little bit, but for Rebel Moon, like there's clear influences from existing stories. Like I think Seven Samurai is is one. Um, and I'm going to like, instead of using that as an example for myself, I'm going to use uh, the Magnificent Seven, which is the the Western, which is also based on it, but it's a little more recent and I guess... Uh, some of the more mainstream side of our our audience will know it a little better, um, but it, yeah, and there's like the Star Wars influence, obviously. Um, so he he's taken elements of those things, but just but then he again tries to make his own story, and again that's I think where he falls flat because it's just it's missing a lot. But we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, and I will say like going into the movie when I started. When I heard that the, there was bad reactions, that didn't worry me too much because I have a kind of a difference of opinion. Like I like Zack Snyder films more than kind of most other people online. So the fact that people mm -hmm. were like, I think it had like a 9% Rotten Tomato score or something, that still did not <laughs> deter me. I was still like, when I sat down to watch the movie, it was a week after it came out and I was still excited for it. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I was really worried about that I saw in the trailer was like, oh, this is just Dune. This is just Star Wars. This is a ripoff of everything. <laughs> and it actually was much less of a ripoff than I thought. Like there was visual cues that were ripped off and like maybe some general story, but it was yeah. a bit more original in terms of the overall story structure than I than I expected. It was more like, here's a piece that was ripped off from one thing. Here's a piece that was ripped off from one thing. It wasn't like the whole story was ripped off. Yeah, I mean, like the characters are definitely original. Like um, the... I think the formula is is lifted uh, very much from Seven Samurai slash Magnificent Seven. Uh, but I, what I want to get into first is a little bit more on like the hype leading up to it. Like the trailer, I'm curious as to what in the trailer, aside from like your fandom of Zack Snyder kind of added to your, your excitement. <laughs> Purely the visuals. Um, yeah. I think like I was hyped before the trailer came out, so it's not like okay. I was going in with nothing and then the trailer made me excited. I would say I was <laughs> yeah. excited and then the trailer made me like, eh, I'm a little bit worried here, but okay. you know, I'm still going to be excited. Um, yeah. but like visually it looks great. 
Um, and I'm not just talking like the way that he shoots or lights a scene. I mean, like the production design, the way that they've designed certain characters, certain cities, the way that they've designed the Imperium, like it all looked great from a trailer perspective. Oh, oh from a, tra- okay. From a trailer perspective. Yes. yes. The movie itself is a completely different story, at least from like, from my perspective. Um, sort of i guess we'll go into it for like because i have different thoughts on different sections of the movie yeah but like i would still say the movie in general especially the production design i love the production design um and i told you before we started recording that i, I kind of rewatched it a little bit today yeah in rewatching it i enjoyed actually the production design a little bit more because i i wasn't caring about the story because i already knew what that was and i was starting to kind of like look in the background and i was like oh i really like you know this character or this little background detail so i will maintain that i love all of those things it's just that there's no story happening there's nothing yeah. going on <laughs> i i don't know like that like i mentioned is where i was most shocked in terms of the visuals because like there are, yes there are certain things that looked really good and like uh, he created some original stuff. Some like elements of it looked good, but there were moments where, like, the effects were so bad that it took me like it took me out of it because I was then starting to look in the background, kind of opposite of what you were saying. Like, I started looking in the background and thinking, like, this looks like they're on stage, like this is a play. Um, and one part in particular, I think, is when. Um, uh, what's her name? Sophia. Uh, what's Cora. her character's name? Ah, <laughs> oh, just Cora. Yeah, Cora. <laughs> Which happens to be my daughter's name, so I can't believe I forgot that. But um, Cora and her like companion from the the farm, like they start on their their journey, and it's like they're camped out at night somewhere in like the hills, and then the, behind them is like, it's just like everything in that set looks like it's made out of wood. And they're in a like they're on stage, and I was like, "This can't be real." Like, and there's other parts of the movie, but that one sticks out to me. Like, just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah. Now that you pointed out, there's a couple specifically that scene where they're doing the campfire. Um, the first scene where she's like plowing the field. It, yeah, it looks yeah. really bad. And then the time that they meet the blood axes, that kind of seems like a really cheap set design. But like. Yeah the bar that they go into in Viking town, um, even the little village for the most part that they start off with in the little Viking village. I, I, I liked that. The, the design of the ships that they're on, like the Imperium. I like mm-hmm. that general, the flashbacks is probably the best part visually of like, here's her yeah. when she's in the military. Um, but it's like, here's a bunch of individual shots that look good for a trailer. And that's always been the knock against Zack Snyder. It's like you make a movie designed to make a good trailer um, as opposed to a good movie. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of those scenes that are lifted for the trailer that are, you know, Cora back when she's like in the military. Um, Yeah. And those look really good, but they have nothing to do with the story really. Yeah. And I mean, some of the fights are are good. Like the first one where she. um, That was uh, one of my biggest disappointments actually. The fight. Well, I'm okay. I, to be clear, I'm saying some of them. <laughs> um, a lot of them were a mess as well. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know. Just thinking back, the visuals were really what took me out of it to start with. And then, like I, I don't know, some of the effects, um, like the the CGI. I think when some of the ships were flying, or just certain things were just they looked so so cheap like 
and that's why I called it an asylum movie at the very beginning, like during my intro. Like, there's parts that are comparable to like. I wouldn't go that far. That's a bit of a stretch. Maybe like new asylum, not like old. (laughs) It it is possible that at some point during the post-production process, they saw what Zach created and they're like, oh God, let's not put any money into this when they were like halfway through. So like, that's why maybe some scenes look really good and others don't. (laughs) And yet they have another one. Like, but like, they always design, like they they shot both at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did the um, Batman versus Superman and Justice League the same time. Like they actually shot both movies at the same time and then they just did it in post-production. So I'm pretty sure they just shot. Well, (laughs) this is leading into my general thoughts on Rebel Moon, but it's like they probably shot one movie and then split it into two movies worth of content um, because this is really not a full movie that they've produced here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's partly what I was alluding to when i mentioned like it's not there's something missing like it's not complete um but yeah we'll we'll get into that so as we... let's let's chunk the movie into thirds because i think it makes it a little bit easier to talk about um first third of the movie we show up at the little viking village and we get to know the little community before the imperium comes down this is one of the things i actually liked about the approach of the movie um one of my bigger complaints about like when they're trying to introduce new sci-fi, new fantasy worlds, is they try to expand too quickly. Um, one of the worst examples of this in recent memory, even though I like the movie more than most people, is Warcraft. I, mm-hmm. I didn't play the Warcraft games. I didn't know the lore. You go into that movie, and it's like, here's one minute with a person on one planet or realm. They do a thing, and then you go to another planet, and it's another person doing a thing, and then you go to another planet, and they try to expand the whole world first without making me care about it. Whereas the opposite of that the the peak version of this is fellowship of the ring you spend a lot of time in the shire you get to know a couple characters you get emotionally invested in them and then those people take you out into a world and then it's easier for you to you know get into that world so i like that they started in a small world you start to get details about the world here and there the problem being i don't care about any of the characters and the dialogue is really cringeworthy but i liked the approach i don't know how you felt about that yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think these are the characters probably that you care about the most, which is still not a lot. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Modok, <laughs> who's like the uh, uh, Modok oh, from Ant Man. I forgot actor. that he was Modok. <laughs> yeah, um, he's like the elder of the village. Um, he seems a little bit out of place, but that's like a bit of a nitpick. The accent is um, not great that he's putting. <laughs> yeah, but he he's like. Um, it's just like, a, it's clearly a happy village. Everyone's really nice. Everyone's, uh, it's, it's a nice place. And then the Imperium comes down and starts killing people. Right. Like you, you feel that for sure a little bit. And then like, after they leave, it's just like, like, here's one character. Here's one character. Here's another character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but, no, like yeah, it, I, I wish they had made me care about some of those characters in the village a little bit more. Like there's this whole thing about, she clearly they're setting up this love interest for the future but she's supposed to be like she's banging this other dude and everyone's telling her to get married and whatnot and it's just like and then they're at like a supper and they say oh everyone should go make love so that the crops and it's just like this is so weird like i don't care about any of these characters i don't really know them and i don't understand why you're saying all these things that have nothing to do with anything that comes up later in the story um and i i think the the writing also or like the setup um, of the the main conflict also doesn't help that because the whole issue is that the Imperium comes down and they want um, they want this village to kind of like 
do do their farming and support them with with grain and food right and then they're like okay uh so we're in charge now uh we'll come back in what is like a week or something two weeks mm. uh and we want all your food it's nine and weeks then, technically well okay what <laughs> nine weeks um um and so the whole conflict is like she knows like she's come from this history of she knows what the imperium does so she's like they're not going to stop they're going to kill everyone like don't don't uh don't cooperate we need to fight and that's why she goes off and like looks for these people but she leaves she finds a ship and they just leave no problem well i guess she killed a bunch of the guards that they left yeah, but, so before, I wanted to touch on that guard scene because that was oh, okay, one scene sorry. that kind of bothered me a little bit. And you said you actually liked this action scene, or are you talking about another one? Um, I did. Well, I didn't like it. It was like it looked okay. Um, and th- I think the what I'll give credit to is uh, Sofia Butella. I think she's good as an action. Like she has potential as an action star. Um, um, like I would I, just say potential. I'd say like you know, Atomic Blonde and even the Mummy, like bad movie, yeah. but like she's done great, pretty good stuff as an action and Kingsman, star. And Kingsman, yeah. Like even in a small role, I think maybe it's it's difficult as, or maybe this is not a good sample size because she's this is her first leading role as far as I'm aware. But yeah, she's okay. She's shown those chops, so she's good at it. She's believable as that hero. I think that's where, in terms of this fight scene, like okay, she's like she looks good. Not just. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I I think for me, because again, I sat down, I thought I was about to watch a good movie and then the the first few scenes were underwhelming, but I hadn't given up on the movie yet. And so it was kind of building up and you knew that this fight scene was going to be coming and it's like, okay, here we go. And then (laughs) I saw the scene. I was like, oh, that that's it. Um, So I guess I was a little, it wasn't bad. I was like, finally, at least like we're getting somewhere, we're doing something. Um, Mm But the thing that kind of bothered me with that scene as well is the guards were so stereotypical what they were supposed to be. Like, the most of them were so bluntly evil. And then there was the one guy who was just, like, super nice, like, being kind yeah. to a droid type guy. And it's like, okay, I need a little more, not, not even depth, but just, like, they're cartoonish <laughs> villains that it just kind yeah, of took me yeah. out of it a bit. Okay. They're stormtroopers if they all took off their helmets, apparently. <laughs> Um, sure <laughs> but well i mean that's another thing that like really early on you can clearly see because apparently it's supposed it's supposed to be a star wars movie right um if that rumor is true i don't i thought i thought you're the one that told me that but it was like originally thought up as a star wars script and then actually now that does sound familiar i might have said that yeah <laughs> but they didn't want it disney didn't want it so it just became you you see like the Empire, Imperium, Stormtroopers, the soldiers. Um, there's some lightsabers in there, laser guns. But anyways, um, I can't remember what... Oh, the, the fight scene. Um, and the characters. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're, they're caricatures, for sure. Like, the... the but, but even the fight scene as well, like, with the, the visuals and just, like, how she was chopping up people, like... It wasn't bad, but I, I guess I expected a little bit more. Like that's that's the strength of Zack Snyder is like you should have a good action yeah. scene, and it it was just okay. And that's kicking off the action for the whole movie, right? Like, there's it's yeah. that's a, it, it is underwhelming. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I think like going back to my point around um like the whole conflict, 
She's like, okay, she's killed the guards. So now we have to go and find people to help us fight um, and come back before the, the Imperium comes back. But like, if you could have just left, why, does, why doesn't everyone just go? Like, <laughs> just leave. <laughs> um, you don't have to come back and fight and everyone probably dies because it's like a whole Imperium versus one tiny farming village who've, of people who've never fought before. Just go, to, go somewhere else. <laughs> um, and that is like already like a weak motivation for me, at least. Like, this is, this is already starting to sound pretty dumb. And that's how it's starting for me. So... <laughs> I think at that point, I didn't even really understand what they were trying to do. Like, I didn't know that they were trying to get people to come back to the village. Maybe I missed that part. Um, yeah. Because I heard like, oh, we're going to we're gonna go off and find General Titus and some other people. And I'm like, okay, you're going to go get some people. Um, yeah. I didn't know what the whole plan was at that point. But yeah, when you look at it in hindsight, especially when they come back at the end after having a conflict with uh, <laughs> Noble or whatever his name is, it's like, yeah, you, you really don't need to come back. And I'm pretty sure most of those villagers are going to die in the second movie because of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally like the scale of like it's a tiny village of farmers versus this big empire that's like taken over planets with spaceships, like just boom, one bomb, the village is gone. Like And they do probably... that later in the movie too. Like they bomb yeah. King Leviticus in his place. They just like, yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember that, but like I there was like a part in the middle where I kind of zoned out a little bit. But anyways, we'll get to that in the second uh second part. Um, and then you meant, I think going into like, uh, uh, part of the first third or the, 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 nearing the end of the first third, they get to this like village or this, um, city, um, and they go to a saloon trying to find, uh, Han Solo, um, to take them across the galaxy and it's Charlie Hunnam, which is cool. Um, um, I don't, I don't even remember where it goes from there like so yeah like i just just touching on the viking bar because it is obviously just a rip off of moss eisley and you know you even have the butt face guy that comes up and attacks <laughs> them and, and so yeah. on and so forth um again i liked the visual aesthetic of the bar we've had yeah space cowboys a lot of times before this is the first time we've had space vikings so i was like okay aesthetically as a sci-fi fan i'm okay with this even though it's a ripoff of a thing i've seen before sure. um the the characters that you meet in the bar like the guy that he's almost too pervy is like okay at least this is now separating it from a generic like star wars or marvel movie because it's trying to be a little bit more adult like i don't want to say adult in its theme but it feels like a little more mature yeah. um and then you hear like the alien who it's a ripoff of independence day where he's like doing the guy's vocal cords and i was like okay that's a rip off but i don't mind it because it kind of looks visually neat um and i was on board with that bar and again the action scene was really disappointing because it's they keep using slow motion at weird times the action <laughs> scene is not particularly exciting but like i'm still on board at this point because i i kind of like it aesthetically i think at this point in the movie i've lowered my standards i know this is not going to be a great movie and so i'm <laughs> yeah. just trying to pick things that i enjoy but i don't hate the movie at this point yeah yeah i think okay so at this point i'm i'm also like i mean my expectations were low to begin with so i'm i'm a little more on board i'm but at this point i'm also like what is happening like this is this is strange um um, and then I, I guess this is where we get into the second 
Yeah, I guess second. we're now jumping into the second act of the movie here. Yeah. Which is where which the is movie like... completely lost me. <laughs> um, and this is basically like, this is her assembling her team, right? Or just flying to different places. It's literally like formula one by one. We go here, we find this person, um, they do something and then they join. We go here, like there's no, I don't know. There's no it, difficulty either in recruiting <laughs> these people, by the way. <laughs> and also we learn almost nothing about any of the characters. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of, I haven't watched in a long time, but I think there was an episode of Rick and Morty way back in the day where they like do a, a montage mocking putting together a team. And this <laughs> reminded me of something that is mocking the idea of putting together a team because each character is so generic and you don't learn anything. It's like, although like they spend way too much time, like if you're going to go through and introduce all these characters and you're, you you do not want us to know anything about it, do that in 20 minutes, do it in 10 minutes. You do a little montage. Now you've got these people together, but they spend it like, it's like 40 to 50 minutes of going and spending <laughs> 10 minutes on each character where there's no tension and I don't learn anything about the character and I don't know what their motivations are. And it's just like, that's where the whole movie grinded to a halt for me because, <laughs> and it's compounded by the fact that Cora as the lead character, she's mysterious. So you do also don't know anything about her. So I'm going through the movie with a character that I don't know, <laughs> recruiting side characters that I don't understand with a generic love interest guy who has not also, has also not been developed. And I was just like, like, what is this movie? What is going on? What am I supposed to care about right now? <laughs> Um, well, it's that that village that we spent 20 minutes on early in the movie and we've left behind and never mentioned yeah, again. Developed all those um, characters and bye-bye. Yeah. And it's, yeah, going back, like the, the characters that she's recruiting, again, there's no, like, there's no resistance really to, to them joining. She's like, we need help. Um, I don't even know if she explains why they need help. We need fighters to fight the Imperium. Okay, I'll do it. Um, I mean, obviously, it's like the the slave guy has to like tame a bird, and there's just like it. It seems like they try to show like a little bit, like the the first guy, the beast tamer, um, who's like taming the hippogriff. He I don't know. He became a slave for some reason because he stole something. But like, so they try to make that story, but that's it. It's like very shallow, right? And what's worse is they they do introduce these characters in the third act. Like Noble comes by and he says all these things about what these characters are. I'm like, just tell me that like 45 minutes earlier. Like I could have learned that. Like they, they, they throw a line in about that muscle guy who's the slave and they're like, Oh, you were the prince of this uh, planet and your planet got reduced to ash. And then there was a story that led to, like, tell me that, tell me that earlier, develop this character. And I might care about him to actually care whether he gets captured later on. I don't even remember them saying that. Um, yeah, like he drops all there, there's this. It's very quick. It's like a thirty seconds of dialogue. He goes through each character when he's when they've captured them in the third act and they're about yeah. to execute them all. Um, and he's like, "Oh, this person, you did this." And General Titus, you did this. And Lady with the Sword. <laughs> like, it's like they actually do have a background. Like there are things to them, but it's yeah. At that point, I've lost the movie. I don't care about them because like yeah. Yeah. It's weird that it's like 50 minutes of the movie, but at that same time, it feels like it's rushed because yeah. like, like for general Titus, like you mentioned, that's Juman Hunsu, who's uh he's a prisoner somewhere. He was a general of the Imperium. And then I don't, he like lost a battle or something, or I don't know. We, he failed. Like, at again, something. they actually do. He was a general for the Imperium. And then 
he was apparently this big strategist. So, and that's also the thing when you're recruiting a team, you should tell us what their specialties are. And so what we learned later on is that he's a master strategist. He's one of the best in like, you know, war combat. And he was one of their peak generals. And then he decided to turn against the Imperium for reasons that are as of yet undisclosed, but like you can kind of assume why he would do that. And then as a failure, he ended up as a drunk in a Coliseum where he's fighting for his life and, you know, okay, that's yes. washed out in the this... gutter, which I like that introduction of him of like, oh, we've built up this General Titus and who is he? He's just like some bum passed out in the Coliseum. Um, yeah. But that whole like 10 minutes when they're introducing him, I feel like seven minutes of it is Korra giving a speech around the Imperium is bad. We have to stand up and we have to unite. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even style over substance. It's like sentiment over substance. It's like the idea of people rebelling but you haven't given me any specifics on what they're rebelling against or anything like that yeah and yet after that short like to this guy who's apparently lost all hope that he's become a drunk fallen from like this honored general like this little speech and he's like okay yeah let's do it i'm i'm down um yeah, shower and, and a shave and he's back in yeah <laughs> and then he also on top of that never demonstrates any strategic like chops for which i mean i guess he's not even on screen for like 10 more minutes in the movie um and then everyone else is just like a fighter but this one uses swords and this one like these are rebel people that's cool this one's a beast tamer i don't know why you need a beast tamer when you're fighting spaceships but yeah like all that stuff and then also uh during that second act i want to also focus on um the swords lady the asian Lady Duna who's Bay. Um, Duna Bay. Is she like well known? I don't. Uh, she's been in. She was in Sense Eight. She was in Cloud Atlas. She was in. The, she's like a, a sci-fi. Oh, okay. Known for sci-fi okay. things. She she's like vaguely familiar. I actually don't think I've seen anything that she's like. I haven't seen Cloud Atlas or no. I saw Jupiter Jupiter Ascending. Is that the one with Mila Kunis? Yes. That's another weird one. But um. Yeah, like her whole sequence, I mean, I'm just hammering, like I'm kicking the dead horse right now, but like they they go to this random planet and she's like this really, I don't know, I like her story made absolutely no sense to me at all. Like she has to save a, ch- a child from a giant spider um, that's played by... Jenna actually, Malone, Zack Snyder Jen- favorite. Okay, that's what I wanted to focus on because that was like... She's like pretty recognizable to play this spider who's just like she's really a no a no one character. She like, she does like I think she's doing Zack Snyder a favor. Like she's worked with him. She was in Sucker Punch. She was in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. She's been in a bunch of stuff. So I think it was just like, hey, you want to do your movie? I'll I'll help you out type thing. Oh okay okay, but like that like that felt like a lot of emphasis on this one like after we sped past the beast guy i don't know if i think was i think she was the next one actually right i think so after yeah. the beast guy okay but anyways like we sped past the beast guy and then we spend a lot of time on this girl with the spider and the 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 jedi like the asian Je- jedi laser sword girl and i thought like this was gonna develop into something more and then nope we're on to uh we're on to Juman Hunsu. Um, and again, that's like the same, like the, the whole second act is this. It's like, they're like lemmings, like yeah. <laughs> walking in a line and then someone else joins the line. Great. Someone else joins the line. 
So that was like. And she was kind of like the opposite of General Titus because it was like, hey, look at like I'm showing her do all these these laser sword stuff. I don't know who she is. I, like she's saying all these vague, motivating speeches around like we need justice and we need no people left behind. Blah blah blah. But it's like yeah. I still we've spent ten minutes with her. I've seen her do a bunch of sword stuff. I still don't know who she is. Yeah. So I mean, again, yeah, common theme. Um, actually, side note, I, I just remember. I'm just remembering, and I'm I don't mean to derail completely, but uh, did you notice how they had? Uh, original um what's his name from game of thrones um dario, dario naharis. naharis yeah and and new dario naharis uh on opposite sides i thought that was interesting you think that's like the first time they've ever met since <laughs> since game of thrones they, like talk i assume they, they talk wouldn't about have it. met on game of thrones because they were never well, on the same season but yeah but i mean like met in general i think they talk about like um my dario was better <laughs> um I forget where else I was seeing this, but yeah, like Game of Thrones alums are becoming more and more cast out in the world. So I feel like that's going to become more and more of a thing. I think it's just funny because they both played the same character that for some reason switched halfway through the, the seasons. Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know. what. Uh, who um, else did we have during that second? Oh, we had the, like the, was it the Stormhammers or... Blood axe. <laughs> just which was extra disappointing because it's ray fisher and so ray fisher went through all the shit that he went through on justice league because he was mm -hmm. accusing yas whedon of i forget what it was if it was sexism or racism but he basically got like blackballed by hollywood who was i mean he was a young promising actor at that time and so i saw that he was casting this and i was like okay get him some more screen time let's get him like back in the system <laughs> like i want to see him do well and the character maybe there's something interesting there. Like, again, it's one of these, like, I don't know anything about the character. And so I feel like I'm, when we met the blood axes that I was walking in halfway through a movie that had already been going on for an hour, like they weren't <laughs> introducing us. They were just kind of talking through these things. Um, and so the moment when like the sister goes one way, the brother goes the other way to join them. I felt like it was supposed to have emotional weight, but it just didn't. And yeah. so like that entire second act, it's like, this is supposed to mean something, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Which is like weird because they, they've kind of, they, or they've at least tried to put the most emphasis or like weight on this, like the blood axes and the brother and the sister. And he's the only one that spoiler alert dies <laughs> mm -hmm. in the end. Um, but yeah, like everything about Ray Fisher, I actually didn't even recognize him. Like I saw that Ray Fisher was, I was waiting for him movie. to show up, so it's like when I saw that character, I was like, oh, that's Ray Fisher. Yeah, but even when I saw him, I was like, this doesn't look anything like him, or at least what I remember from uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, but yeah, it's a, a little um, unfortunate that <laughs> this was his, uh, his, his restart, I, I guess, in, in movies. <laughs> um, I guess maybe that transitions us to the third act of the movie. I think we're just beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah. Unless you have anything to say about more to say about the second act. Um, just I, I think one last point, uh, which which will take us into the third act. It's I, I feel like, and you mentioned this, like they filmed everything and then like chopped it up, right? And then assembled a movie from the parts that they chopped up, and I think like they tried to 
I don't know. They they tried to, I don't know if stretch it out is the right way to describe it, but like just the formula that they tried to follow, it just, they, they tried to set up everything in the first movie, but they did it poorly because it's like rushed. And then I think they wanted to hint at like all of this will be explained in the next movie. And I think that was a big issue that you had with, with Dune. Like you feel like it, it wasn't a, a complete movie. Yeah. Like there's no ending. Right. Which I mean, it was obviously done much better. There's a cliffhanger, which it felt like a real cliffhanger for me. But in this one, it's just like, we're going to set up all these characters and you just like, we're the next one's coming out anyway. So it doesn't matter how bad this does or how bad this looks like watch the next one. It'll be explained. So I think my biggest issue with that, cause I don't, I don't mind when there's no ending. Like my number one movie that we just did in our last episode was across the spider verse and there's no ending, but it, yeah, you're emotionally invested in the characters and you feel like there's an entire story that's been told. Same with fellowship of the ring. It doesn't end the story, but it's like you feel satisfied as a story of what you've sat down and you're looking forward to what's going on. The issue with, I think rebel moon is that all of the details that you would need to be interested in these characters are hinted at for the future. Like, I feel yeah. like the first movie, like rebel moon part two is just going to be an hour of exposition dump just to explain what happened in the first movie and who these characters are. Um, like we're going to have and all these flashbacks. We're, we're going to have that same like 50 minute stretch that we had of them introducing characters and not telling us their backstory. We're just going to have flashbacks to what their stories are. Um, but it's like, you can hint some of it. Um, like uh, one thing that I was thinking about was Firefly. I don't know if you ever watched the TV series Firefly. You have like the main crew that you, you know, the regular people, you know, you're invested in like the captain, he's a regular guy. And then you have this River Tam character who's mysterious and hinted at. So if you have a core group of people, like if you were following the village and you knew them and you had this, oh, we don't know Korra's background. And so we got to, you know, we'll learn more about that in the second one. Then, uh, okay, you'd have a, you have a whole story. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, if you knew Korra and all her background and you kind of knew who she was as a person, similar to like Luke Skywalker, who you knew his story, he's a very simple person. And you have all these surrounding characters that they go and recruit that you don't know much about yet. Then I would say you can justify like leading it off, but I don't know my main character. I don't know what happened with the Imperium of why the King was killed. I don't know my oh, yeah. supporting <laughs> characters. I don't know anything about what's going on. And you're like, I do want to know, I am going to watch part two when it comes out, but it's like, there's nothing grounded for me to latch on to to leave the anticipation for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's probably why, again, going back to like the second one's coming out anyway, so it doesn't matter <laughs> how you feel about this one. It doesn't even matter. It's on Netflix. It doesn't even matter if you watch the second one <laughs> <laughs> because there's not like you're trying to buy it. Like we're depending on ticket sales here, Um, which I mean, I'm not going to, I've already been very mean, but I'm not going to insult Zack Snyder to say that he doesn't care about the movie that he's making. But I don't know. It just feels like it's just not not put together well. Um, it's funny because you mentioned like the um, the coup, like with the king. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there is like I, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it, because it's it's completely inconsequential to what's happening but it's the movie is framed or introduced with that being like a like a a catalyst for everything that's happening i guess and yeah like i i didn't give it a second thought after watching that movie 
up until now, this point, which was like it was literally a month ago. That was on like that was the part I liked most about the movie was the hinting or maybe just the world that they were starting to create. Like Belisarius as a general who you know took over as regent, you have this daughter who maybe died, like maybe uh, Cora killed her. We don't know yet, um, but like that type of stuff that they were developing, I want more of that. Even the the semi post credit scene where Belisarius is doing all this like resurrecting noble from the dead. That's fun. That's interesting. Um, that character I want to see more of. But you just get hints at it. Like, you don't really see anything about them. Mm-hmm. So, again, tell me a competent story with hinting at this. I'd be totally on board. But now it's kind of taken me out of it. I'm, And by the way, April whatever that this movie comes out, I'm going to sit down and I'm still going to be excited for it. <laughs> I'm still going to be looking forward. And I know I'm going to be disappointed, but it's still going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it worked out in the end because I am also going to watch. Like, I'm I'm committed now. Um, I'd like to see the explanation of everything. So, maybe he's secret. Maybe he's actually a genius. Zach, I mean, <laughs> this, I, maybe I have, this is the future of movies now. <laughs> I I just hope they don't hit the panic button and completely chop it up. Like, he's told he's written two movies. Just let him tell the two movies. Don't like try to reverse course and like try to ruin his part two like i i I want i just hope that i get the part two that he intended to make (laughs) well okay i don't want to considering you just said that i i read recently i think it was today um that there's going to be three more (laughs) after the first two (laughs) not anymore (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know stranger things have happened but there's like Considering that, I mean, if they do make a whole trilogy after this, or he's expecting to make a whole trilogy after this, maybe part two is going to be more of the same. Like, oh, we've here are more people that <laughs> we're building our team even more because <laughs> Ray Fisher died or something. I don't know. Um, so I mean, let's. I guess let's talk about the third act. Yeah. Um, Ray Fisher dies. One of the things that I like that they set up is that they've already kind of shown his replacement there's like this random androgynous member of the blood axe gang who's like in love with him maybe or like they don't really again they don't tell us anything about any of these characters but it's kind of like doesn't have a name (laughs) like uh, i thought they like offhand mentioned their name but like here's a character that has lost somebody who's now part of the gang that they're going to carry forward so i'm like okay I'm oddly enough, I'm more interested in that character than I am about General Titus or Nemesis or any of these other characters. Um, but like, why not his sister? Like, there was the, she was right there. That's like, true. They fully split up. She's a character that there's even more of a connection. This and that was one thing. So I, I kind of fell asleep <laughs> uh, between the second act and the third act when they were like when they finally arrived to the place where they got captured. I don't even remember why they went there. But um, yeah, Ray Fisher dies, and then this random lady um, uh, on his as part Milius. of his gang, uh, non-binary as Sorry. the actor, act, they them person is this well. random person on in the gang um, is like now taking up the mantle of of Ray Fisher, who's like the leader, and she, uh, they literally have like no name, no character, so like. Everything that we've sped past for every other character, this person has none of that. <laughs> and they're like 
continuing the movie when, again, the sister was right there. Like, that's a character that we know, and there's some connection. I I am okay with it. I would prefer... Give me... Like, they spent 10 to 15 minutes on each of these characters before to tell us almost nothing. This character, you spent about 30 seconds to tell me all I need to know about their background. And so... I wish they had sped through the other four characters that way um, because I understand this character. I understand like you haven't told me the whole background, but I understand that they loved Ray Fisher's character either romantically or just, you know, camaraderie type thing. And Mm -hmm. that they were sad by his death and they want revenge now. Cool. That's all I need to know. I, I I'm on board with this character. Um, Sure. I don't know. I like, maybe I was still groggy at this point, but like, it, it just seemed paper, like and a big nothing. <laughs> I guess like taking a couple steps back for what the third act is. So basically, um, Charlie Hunnam takes them to some world. He says, hey, I'm going to make a short stop because we need to, you know, I need to deliver these things before we go back to the home world. That's why they went there? That's why they go. He says, hey, <laughs> can you help me carry these couple boxes off? Because we're just going to make this quick pit stop. And then he, it's an ambush. And apparently like, that's when it's revealed the whole time. He has just been wanting to use Korra to round up a bunch of other rebels so that he can then sell them out to uh, the Imperium. Yeah. Which, that, that's probably the only interesting thing from a story perspective that happens in the whole movie, is mm-hmm. the fact that like they kind of do that bait and switch. And it's not the most amazing thing, but it's something. Um, and I'm on, like, interesting idea. I wish they had set up more of these characters ahead of time so that I cared about whether they got caught. Um, but I like that Charlie Hunnam's character kind of got revealed as like a, a backstabber at the end there. Uh, he gets his comeuppance and kind of gets killed off screen in a not very dramatic way. Um, mm-hmm. But well, I like that. There's death. a bit of like a dramatic sting with uh, the love interest, like saving Cora by and killing Charlie at the same time. Sure. It's really dumb. Like, he's like, <laughs> you need to kill her, not me. Or you need to paralyze oh, her, not me. And then it's like, you're just going to give this gun to him? Um, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I stopped caring. But, like, I mean, good premise. You get a nice little, like, fight in the rain on a dock. It kind of reminded me of, like, the Django Fett on Kamino fight in Episode 2 of Star Wars. Um, oh. But, like... That is, that's a compliment. At, at that point, it kind of devolves into generic action movie which is better than what it had been previously so maybe devolves is not the right word Um, (laughs) but at least i understand that there is a fight going on um sure yeah can we can we talk about ray fisher's death for a second sure (laughs) it's like um like you know the the Zack snyder slow down dramatic like slow motion running up this spaceship and he has his spear and he's going to kill the pilot that's giving them so much trouble. And then boom. And then he misses and then he gets shot and he dies. That <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. I just remember laughing really, <laughs> really hard, which is, I don't think the intention, I, I don't think that was the intention of that sequence, <laughs> but, but I, I liked it because it was, you're expecting one thing and then something else happens. So even if it's kind yeah. of funny, it's like, Hey, at least, Give me something I'm not expecting. Um, <laughs> speaking of slow motion, one thing like the slow motion in this movie is so extremely overdone, it is laughable. And I remember there was one scene where they're out like spreading seeds in the farm, and they do a slow motion of when she drops the seeds, and I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> it's so inappropriately timed and so like used so frequently throughout the movie that it's like 
it looks like it's purely done to make something for the trailer. Um, and so when they kept doing the slow motion late in the movie, I was like, oh my God, please stop. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I don't really remember the last fight scene a whole lot which is like weird for me because that's usually what i'm like i'm fully on board and i'm like yes this is the like this is what i've been waiting for this is the best part and it was kind of just like like you said it's just just generic action scene it's a generic Again. action scene and then you get the one-on-one between cora and noble at the very end and i thought yeah that, that, was... that one was a bit more brutal like the way that she kills him is like i think she like breaks his arm and a couple things and i was like i appreciated I had... how brutal that was I actually liked that, yeah, that part. But, like, everything before that, um, and I think, um, like, just seeing, the, like, the characters that they've collected or the, that they've recruited, I don't know if, again, this is me being groggy, but I don't remember seeing half of them, like, uh, with a Beastmaster guy. Like, does he do anything in that last fight? Do you even see him? I don't remember him doing anything. Is there a random beast on that on that landing pad? That I, he... By the way, I don't think his specialty is going to be Beastmaster. I think that's just no, I... a thing that introduced him. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like well, he's going to have another specialty. Who knows? We know nothing else about that's him. So true. He's a prince. Yeah. He's a prince of a whole oh, planet. Yeah. He's a royal person. Uh, we don't learn this until the end of the movie, but... Yeah, maybe. Maybe that will replace the, the Blood Axe gang that just left um and then like the whole again so, sorry harping on the characters again but like titus um i don't mean to keep picking on him but like it's a it's a battle and like give me something like direct people like do something he's just <laughs> he, there like pew pew he's a master of strategy he's a, yeah i know like show me show me that he's a master of strategy um but i don't yeah that's Again, the horse is dead now. When you think about where they end up at the end of the movie, the collection of people that you have, now that I've finally at the very end of the movie learned who they have, you have, you know, Jimon Hunsu, who's like a master general. You have Duna Bay, who's the swordsman. You have this uh, Tarak nobleman who, I guess, maybe his specialty is, is taming animals. <laughs> um, you have this other, like, rebel Melius who's like doing revenge because she loved Ray Fisher or something. Th this sounds like a fun team. This is like the team that you should start a movie with. You should introduce in about 10 minutes and then take them on an adventure. So the team that they end up with at the very end, and you also have this Jimmy robot voiced by Anthony Hopkins. Um, oh my God. Who's, completely forgot about who knows why he's in the movie. And then like generic love interest dude, like, I'm on board with this team. I feel like you could have a fun adventure with this team. It just took us two hours to get to the point where I'm starting with characters I now want to watch. I don't know if yeah. I have confidence in Zack Snyder to tell a good story with them. I'm simply saying by the end of the two hours, I think I like the characters. <laughs> so, okay. So as from between the second act and the third act, you've seen enough of the characters to be like, or I guess it's the potential of part two that you are. I, I am a sucker for putting a team together. Um, <laughs> whether it's like Dungeons and Dragons and you have your party or whether it's something yeah. like a Firefly where you have like your, your crew. 
I mm-hmm. love those types of movies and I love sci-fi. And so you give me unique, interesting characters that are about to go on a sci-fi adventure together. I'm on board. I wish that's what this movie was about. It's not. It's like a whole <laughs> lot of boringness. And then it ends at the point where I have characters I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean... will. Yes. I'll confirm. I'm, I'm interested in the potential of the characters. I still don't know anything <laughs> about general Titus. They've just kind of presented the idea of what he is. And I'm interested by that idea. I hope they use him properly in a future movie. Yeah, I mean, like, best case scenario for part two, right? Like, they've, the, their characters aren't really set up that great. Like, the team is set up, sure, but we still don't know anything about those characters. So, like, ideally, they're going to make you care about them more. And then there'll be, like, a whole, I don't know, I, I'm I'm really, like, simplifying it, but you make them... you. You make us care about them a little bit more and then you get down to business. Like it's the struggle against the, the Imperium guy, um, new old Dario Naharis. What's his name? Noble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you don't leave any more for the trilogy that you're planning to make. Like you wrap it up nicely. You haven't, what I always love, you know, the big battle, the big epic battle at the end, but like you, you've you've cared about these characters you know more about them you know where they've come from they they bring like the beastmaster guy brings his whole planet to back them up and like there's a you nice want everyone to come out of portals like the end of avengers don't you <laughs> sure whatever i don't like i mean i i'm on the same i'm in the same boat as you now basically i think you're a little more optimistic than i am but i also have a much lower standard of entertainment <laughs> that sounds bad i have a lower standard of entertainment i'm i'm a little more easily entertained um i i would say when it comes to sci-fi movies with a team i'm probably the more easily entertained because it's like just give me some interesting characters with a fun world and i'm going to enjoy the movie like sci-fi sure. is definitely my guilty pleasure when it comes to that stuff like i will watch a bad movie if i enjoy parts of the world yeah um and i will say to that end like the way that they kind of set up stuff for the future. So Belisarius, he has some like weird science shit where he brings Noble back to life. He's like electrocuting his naked body and stuff. And it's like, that got so weird for me that it got me interested. And the <laughs> character of Belisarius, who at first I thought was kind of weird. I was like, okay, I'm kind of on board with learning more about him in the future. So I don't know. I'm going to watch who the is... next movie. Who you know what the Belis- actor's name Froffy. His name is Froffy. Oh, okay. Which I'm mixing fun. him up. I'm getting confused with the king who was uh, the dread pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. Yes. He's the one that got killed, right? Like, or he's the, the one that He is the got murdered king. Yeah, okay. Okay. Which is they hinted also... that Korra is with the one who either killed his daughter or killed him. Which I'm oh, sure geez. is going to be revealed as some kind of accident or misunderstanding. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, if you're going to um, cast somebody like him, clearly they're going to use him in flashbacks in the next movie. I hope so cuz he was literally in 30 seconds of this one and but and I didn't yeah. even realize it was him until like I read an article after the movie. So yeah, he was oh, in really? very quickly. 
Okay, well, that was like the opposite of Ray Fisher for me, but because I like immediately I was like, Dread Pirate Roberts, you're like, are you going to do something? No? Oh, we're just, okay, we're moving along. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, complaints aside, like gripes aside, I, I don't feel like I wasted time watching it. Like, I also have... Uh, kind of affinity for quote-unquote bad movies so like and also I I think I mentioned to this to you before we uh had like before we planned to have this episode or talk about Rebel Moon but I think it was just so strange how this came together like just <laughs> just how the movie like flowed and the story and just like the visuals and everything that I was like intrigued it's like like looking at a car crash, I guess, um, which is and a little harsh. But one thing we talked about on our last episode was like we threw out the idea of having like a bottom ten movies. And when I look at my like, it's so hard to think about this movie because, like, compare it to something like the Marvels. Like the Marvels is a it's a movie. It has a beginning, middle, and end. It has all the things you would expect from a movie. It's just kind of boring. And then here's this movie, which, as you said, it's like it's a dumpster fire. It's a car crash, but it's there are things I really like about it, but it's not a movie. It's it's just like a bunch of scenes back together. <laughs> and so I don't like if we did a bottom 10, I don't know if I would put it on there, even though I think it's probably one of the laziest things that was made last year. It's just really hard to think about. Yeah, well, I mean, also, you'd rather talk about this than the Marvels, right? I mean, I haven't seen the Marvels. I feel like I'll probably like it, <laughs> but... I don't know what I can say. Like, you. there's only so many ways that I can say that I'm boring, or that I'm bored in a movie. <laughs> um, whereas, like, yeah, Rebel Moon, we've been talking about for an hour. We have a lot to say about it. The Marvels, yes, I, I would not be able to talk about for an hour. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I give credit for the attempt. Um, certain elements were good. It's just like I don't know. I, I think it. If we're if we're gonna boil it down, it just comes to like shooting like trying to make two movies shooting it all together and then like shuffling the deck and then dealing different scenes in uh it just leads to like a, a mess yeah if i can sum up this movie i would say i hated it and i want more <laughs> um so yeah it's coming out in april and i'm gonna be looking apparently there's an r-rated version of part one that's also going to come out in april like an extended cut which is i guess Zack snyder's thing now I'm on board for that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, again, I, we've we've been complaining about it for an hour, but I'm going to watch it as well. I'm going to watch the R-rated version. I'm going to watch the the second part and, and the, the the trilogy after. <laughs> I, I hope uh, one of the ideas that I threw out for an, an episode that we can record later this year is Dune Part Two and Rebel Moon Part Two coming out at the same time. Oh yeah, uh, which should be a really fun <laughs> comparison. Uh, yeah, and, and on that note, I'll I'll end off with saying we, we started off talking about my top ten most anticipated movies of the year. I have collected my list together, which I will be publishing on Instagram in the next couple days. Uh, Dune Part Two was a a big when I said I put together and I want to put like my my name my name is my brand. I want to put it behind <laughs> my list. I had a real hard long thought process to myself of whether I wanted to put Dune Part Two on there or not. And I will leave that in suspense for when I actually post it. But uh, 
Oh my it god! Was a, it was okay. a difficult thought process. I don't know if I'm okay. looking forward to it or not. Well, you're gonna find it on mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of whether or not Carson has it on his, so don't worry, mainstream people. <laughs> you're spoken for. Well, on that note, I guess we'll end off there, and uh, yeah, look forward to the the Instagram, the fan in the app, the fan and the critic. Uh, check out our top tens of last year that we just posted, and our upcoming top 10 of next year. Bye. Bye.